John 8, starting at verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, Where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Uh, Thank you, Eve. And I would ask you just to keep your Bibles open at that particular point. It's a joy to be with you today and uh, to share the word of God uh, with you. Uh, Thank you for your warm words of welcome, Peter. I uh, recall a church in London, and I um, took the preaching at short notice because the man who was originally invited was taken ill, and so they were introducing me, and he did it in a very kindly way. And so they said, it's good to know when we can't get anybody else, we can have Bill Patterson. <laughs> so I told them I thanked them for the, uh, the warmth of their welcome, and I was totally underwhelmed. <laughs> but uh, well, when we meet someone for the first time, I've met most of you in the past, but when we meet someone for the first time, we introduce ourselves. And in that introduction, we're seeking to achieve two things. First of all, we are seeking to identify ourselves who we are. In my case, I would say I'm Bill Patterson, until recently was the Slavic Gospel Association uh, Bible teacher. And then the second thing we want to do is to indicate to people how we wish to be called. In my case, it's Bill or Bill Patterson. Now, I want to stretch your imaginations quite to the limits, really, and beyond that. And imagine if the Lord Jesus Christ came into this building this afternoon. How would he introduce himself? How would he introduce himself to us? Well, thankfully, we don't have to speculate, and God hasn't left us to our guesses or our opinions or ideas. Because seven times in the Gospel of John, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the vine. And here in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, I am the light of the world. And those who follow me shall never walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And that's how the Lord Jesus Christ is identifying himself who he is, and what he does. And he's indicating to us how he wishes to be known as Christ, the light of the world. And in fact, if we don't know him in these terms or in that way, we don't know him at all. Because he said, I am the light of the world. That's my identity. And that's how I need and I want you to know me. Now, the location is significant where these words were uttered. I think it's highly informative. 
We're told it was in the temple pre, uh, complex in the place where the treasury was or nearby that. Now those, you're probably acquainted with something of the structure of the temple. It had four main sections. The first section was for Gentiles, those who'd become proselytes off uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Jewish system, although not fully becoming Jews. And the second area was for the women. The third area was for men. And in the fourth area were where all the priestly functions took place. Now the court or the area for the women had two distinctive features. It was where the treasury was. If you notice where the females are, the finances. And things haven't changed, have they? Now there were 13 sort of trumpet-like receptacles and that's where the people put their money. It was in the treasury. And then the second thing was there were four great lights, rather like Olympic torches. You know those huge torches which they have up in the Olympic village. And when they're illuminated, when they're lit, then it bathes that area in light. Now remember the temple was on a hill, a, 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 a place that was high up. And so when these torches were lit, the whole temple uh, complex was floodlit. And indeed the roofs of the city of Jerusalem were bathed in light. And it was in that place that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. But notice what he didn't say. He didn't say, I I am the light of the temple. That would indeed have been awesome. That would have made people sit up and take notice that here a mere mortal is saying they are the light of the temple. But he didn't say that. He didn't even say, I'm the light of Jerusalem, which was something of greater magnitude. He didn't even say, I'm the light of Israel. Now, there was only one who was the light of Israel. That was God. That was Yahweh, Jehovah. The psalmist said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. There is, that's who God was. But Christ doesn't even say, I'm the light of Israel. He says, I am the light of the world. And I can imagine those who heard that, their eyes would be bulging. Their jaw would be dropping. They would be gobsmacked. They had never heard any mortal even utter anything resembling that, that they were the light of the world. And yet our Lord says this quite calmly. He says it quite naturally, as if to say, what else do you expect? I am the light of the world. That's the statement which he's making. It's of such a magnitude of that. They could hardly dream of anyone ever uttering such words. If anyone ever says that Jesus Christ didn't claim to be other than a mere man, they know nothing of the New Testament or nothing of the claims that he made. And so here's this great declaration, this claim which the Lord Jesus Christ makes. But you notice immediately it was challenged in verse 13. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. I can understand why they would challenge him. Because they'd never heard anybody in the history of their nation. Never heard anyone make such a claim as that. And of course they immediately challenged him. Now of course the first thing here is, is, is his claim credible? Is this declaration valid? Is it believable? Is it something that you can accept? Because people do say things and make sometimes the most uh, outrageous claims. There's a story told of some little boys playing in a royal park. They were playing football. Now, if you know anything, you're not allowed to play football in royal parks in London. Another lad came along and said, can I join you? And they said, oh, you can join. 
Well, you can guess what happened. The policemen come along. And, you know, they always ask the obvious, what are you doing? <laughs> what would you ask me doing with the ball if they were kicking it? And, of course, then he, uh, he said, now, what's your name? And one said, I'm the Duke of Gloucester. Another one said, I'm the Duke of Windsor. Another one said, I'm the Duke of York. Another little boy who joined him thought he'd better join in the game. He said, I'm the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> well, of course, he couldn't be the Archbishop of Canterbury. And it turned out the other three were dukes. But he couldn't be uh, be that. And so they were saying, how can this be? How, how can that be what you're saying? But the Lord Jesus Christ says, look, <laughs> even though you're saying my witness my testimony is invalid. He says it is because of who I am. But I have other witnesses. I have another witness that bears uh, to this reality which I have just claimed. See, people get the impression that to believe Jesus Christ, you're skating on thin ice. But this is cast iron, copper bottom. This is solid stuff. This witness, this testimony. And the amazing thing is what the Lord Jesus Christ expressed. People who came to him experienced Again and again, what he expressed. Peter, when he's writing in, to Christians and believers, sometime later, and these are people who were suffering and scattered, but they'd come to know Christ. And how did he define and describe their conversion? He said, he called you out of darkness into his wonderful lights. Peter could say that because that's what had happened to them. He called you out of that terrible, sinful darkness into his marvelous light. What Christ expressed, they experienced. And then Paul writes to Christians in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a, a terrible place. If you wanted to insult the person, you called them a Corinthian because of the moral degradation of that place. And then when Paul is describing changes that occurred, the conversion that they experienced, he said, the God who said, let there be light, right at the very beginning of creation, that same God who said, let there be light, has shone into your hearts to give you the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Christ expressed, they experienced. And the same could be true. John is writing, perhaps near the end of the first century, this gospel in the first chapter, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. There was what our Lord said, I am the light of the world. And those who follow me shall not walk in darkness. Same with Christians in Ephesus, in what we call modern Turkey today. Again, Paul is wanting to portray the change that has taken place. And he said, you were darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Precisely what Christ expressed, these people experienced. And up until quite recently, many people would have defined their conversion in this way, or others would have spoken to them in this way. They've seen the light. Just exactly, they've come to know the light of the world. They've seen the light. Now there was a Jew and he, a Christian was seeking to witness to this Jewish man. And he was presenting the claims of Christ to the Jewish man. And the Jew said, anybody could say these things. The Christian paused. And then he said, and the, the man, the Jewish man said, even I could say these things. And the Christian paused and they said, but who would believe you? But the amazing thing is, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions can testify that when they came to Christ, they came to know the light of the world. They came into this glorious light of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this claim is credible. This is believable. 
It's unacceptable and it's incredible. People wouldn't believe it with all this evidence that is presented, presented to us. Well, the next thing we want to look at, what is our Lord saying? What is the function of Christ as the light of the world? Well, the Bible makes it clear what the function of light is. Paul, when he's writing to the Ephesians, said, that which makes things clear or that which exposes things is light. The Lord Jesus Christ said that there are people who wouldn't come to him because they loved their deeds were evil and they wouldn't come to the light unless their deeds would be exposed. That's axiomatic. Light always reveals things. I'm sure many of us have gone into a darkened room and uh, and we were, were conscious there was something there, but we couldn't see it. We might have even bumped into it. But when the light switched on, suddenly, what was there become apparent. The light exposed it, revealed it. And that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ does as the light of the world. He reveals things. He makes things plain. He exposes things to us. Things that we couldn't see otherwise. Well, what does he reveal? What does he expose or make clear to us? The first thing he does, he makes God real to us. He exposes what God is like to us. That's, that's what he is as the light of the world. Now, if I had to ask you, who was the first cosmonaut? Who was the first cosmonaut? Here he got gone. There was a bright shop at the front. Nice follow-up question, but <laughs> who was the second cosmonaut? Oh, no. I thought you were looking quite intelligent for a moment, but I see it was German Titov. He was the second one. And he went round the earth many more times. But what had happened was, he, when he came back, the Russians made two declarations. First of all, they extolled their technological prowess that they had launched spaceships up. They had put people into space and they'd gone round and we had brought them back. And no one could deny that. It was a great technological achievement. But the next thing was, the statement was theological. We have gone into space and scanned the cosmos and we didn't see God. There's no God. We didn't see him. Now at that time, C.S. Lewis was alive. I hope you know C.S. Lewis came from Belfast. I just thought I'd mention that in passing. <laughs> but for no, no apparent reason. <laughs> but C.S. Lewis made two comments. He said, maybe he was looking in the wrong place and he didn't have eyes to see. And both of those were true. Now, of course, the cosmos, the heavens declare the glory of God and the earth shows forth his handiwork. Every day, 24-7, it speaks of the eternal power and Godhead of God so that all are inexcusable. The knowledge of God is there. But God has then revealed more of himself and the knowledge that we particularly need in Jesus Christ. That's where he's revealed himself. You notice when I quoted that uh, text from Corinthians, where Paul was speaking about conversion, you know what he said? The light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The God who said, let there be light, has shone into our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Where? In the face of Jesus Christ. In the face of Jesus Christ. Dear friends, if you want to get to know God, you come to Jesus Christ. If you want to, go, go, want to get to know God better, you get to know Jesus Christ better. He who has seen me 
has seen the Father. He is the exact representation of the, of the invisible God, says the writer of the Hebrews. He's the radiance, the outshining of the Father's glory, made plain, made clear to us. He reveals God to us. That's, he, that's what he is, the light of the world. The great revealer of God. But then the second thing is, he reveals ourselves to ourselves. In other words, he exposes what we're really like. There's an incident quite near the start of the Lord's ministry. And he had been preaching in the Sea of Galilee and had to borrow a boat because of the crowd that were pressing upon him. Went a little bit from the shore, preached the sermon, and then afterwards he said to those who owned the boat, launch out a little bit further into the deep and let down your nets. And as they obeyed him, they, they had a huge catch almost to the point where boats were sinking. Now it was interesting, Peter's reaction. I can imagine what us would say, how awesome, how amazing, how astonishing. But he didn't. His cry was amazing. He said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Isn't that amazing? What had happened? Had Peter at that moment had some terrible thought, some blasphemous idea entered his head? Had he uttered some really wicked expression? Had he did some terrible deed at that moment? No. It was the same Peter there was even before he, he had Christ in the boats. But suddenly in the presence of Christ, the light of Christ shone on him and he suddenly saw himself as he was in himself. And the only thing he could say, seeing myself, I am a sinful person. The light had shone. Robert Burns said, oh that some power would give us that we might see ourselves as others see us. That's salutary, isn't it? It's amazing how others view us. But imagine a power given us, given to us to see ourselves as God sees us. Sinners. Condemned. Unclean. And this is what happens when people come into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when we see how he treated others and the way we treat others, how he re- responded to his Heavenly Father, how we responded, oftentimes ignoring him, how he submitted to his Father's will and we rebel against it. We even reject it. We feel our wisdom superior to his wisdom. When his will counts for nothing, suddenly we see ourselves, what sort of person I am that should be like that? That becomes apparent when we come to Christ, the light of the world. That's how light functions. But you know the wonderful thing is, the very light that exposes also expels the darkness. When John speaks about darkness, it isn't just talking about ignorance or a lack of something. He's speaking about something much more profound, a presence of something that should not be there, something that's alien and anti to God's, something that's outside what God wants. It's there in us. That's why the Bible calls us sinners. And there's only one thing that can deal with that darkness. And that's Christ, the light of the world. Christ, the light of the world. Now, I can't pass this without drawing the implication because when our Lord said, I am the light of the world, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There's an implication here. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you're not following him, you're walking in darkness. 
Walking in darkness. It doesn't matter how enlightened we think we are. We are walking in spiritual darkness. That's what happens. Now, I was born right at the end of the Second World War. You don't need to calculate. It's all right. <laughs> right near the end of it. But, but family would tell me that uh, there were the blackouts and, and even the cars, such as they were, had blue lights. And even those blue lights had to have slots on them. So there was very little of it would come out. And many people were hit by cars. Or, or people even walked into lampposts. Why was that? They were walking in darkness. I worked in Hanwos, sadly, which was just closed down. And there were huge dry docks. And in those dry docks were built some of the aircraft carriers, destroyers, frigates for the Royal Navy. But those dry docks were, were so deep. And during the raids, it was pitch black. And sadly, men working in the yard walked to their death. Why? They were walking in darkness. And those who are not following Christ are walking in darkness. I don't have to convince you of this, but I'll seek to bring some information uh, to, to reinforce that. A great philosopher, Schopenhauer, and uh, here was a man, huge intellect, great mind. People would sit at his feet to hear his wisdom. Uh, and he'd been drinking in a beer garden. And he was so drunk he just lay on a bench all night. And so the man came the next morning and saw him lying on the bench, dishevelled, unkempt. And the man said to him, what are you doing here? And he looked up at him and he said, I only wish I knew. And he wasn't talking about being on the bench. He said, what am I, why am I here? Why am I living? Why am I on planet Earth? What's the reason for my existence? What purpose in the, where am I going? There I am, a huge intellect. And he, he hasn't a clue about the basics of his own existence. Walking in darkness. Those of a, a bit, little bit older, but not too old, would remember the Beatles. And one of their records, I'm just a nowhere man, making all my nowhere plans for nobody. Doesn't have a point of view. Doesn't know what he's going through. People dance to that. I wept. Doesn't have a point of view. Nowhere am I. I'm a nobody. An unentity. Don't know where I'm going. Don't know where I'm living. Isn't that darkness? That's darkness. We look at our society and we talk about the knife crime and, and hate crime and all these other things that are going on. And people have all sorts of explanations and all sorts of remedies. That they're broken homes, broken bodies, broken minds. Malcolm Muggridge said so many years ago, he said, I can see the time when there will not be a physical ailment afflicting mankind, but the world will be one huge psychiatric award. People tormented in their minds. Why is that? People are walking in darkness. Walking in darkness. What they need to do is to come into the light. The light of Jesus Christ. And see the purpose for their, their life. And they'll be given light with a purpose. Through him, even, our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I would, be, I would not be faithful to my God or to this book or to you if I didn't tell you. If you keep walking in darkness... One time you're going to walk and you're going to go to a place of outer darkness. And I tell you, you don't want to go there. 
You do not want to go there <coughs> into that outer darkness. But then, lastly, I want to speak about <coughs> our proximity to the light. Because the Lord makes it clear, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall never walk in darkness. So here's those who are following him. If you go to chapter 12, it talks about believing, walking in the light and believing <coughs> the light. It's, it's all the same sort of truth. And there are two nuances here in this idea of following. And, and the one is, it's, uh, it's focus. It's focus. Perhaps I can best explain it this way. Have you ever seen those television programs about the Serengeti? And here's the animal of prey, a cheetah or a leopard or a lion. And what they do, they get a bead, a fix on a certain prey. <coughs> and they're just absolutely focused on that. And everything else, they're oblivious to it at that moment. That's their focus. That's their aim. That's their whole intention, just to catch that prey. And it's something that which the Lord is speaking here. He said, those who have their focus on me. And everything else, no matter how significant or important, is second, secondary. Their affections are placed in me. Their aspirations are for me. Their intentions are to live for me. Or the Apostle Paul summed it up. For me to live is Christ. That's what it means to follow him. Christ is our focus. Christ our way. Christ our aim. Christ our end. Can I ask you today, are you following the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you still walking in darkness? The second thing about following him is we get the word imitate. You know, children used to play the game, follow my leader. The leader would do something, they'd do the same. And, and here it is that these are people who are becoming like Christ. Uh, and again, this is clear from scripture because sometimes Christians are called, or the church is called, the light of the world. They've become like Christ. In other words, this light of life has shone into them. Shone into them. And because of that, they have become like the Lord Jesus. Perhaps an illustration might help. I'm not sure whether I've used it here or not before, but uh, American American man who went on visits, and he always took a gift home with him. And he chose this gift in Paris, and it was Mother of Pearl, which was meant to radiate light. And he took it back to America, he opened it up, and there wasn't even a little sparkle, not the slightest. Thought it had been taken in. And this daughter who could speak French turned it over and said, Keep me in the light all day, and I will shine in the night. In other words, as it's, it absorbs that radiance, that light of the sun, and then it radiates it out in dark places. And we're to have such a, a walk, a communion, a fellowship with the Lord Jesus, and this light is so absorbed into our lives. Then we radiate it out. How our society in these days needs light. Maybe in our homes, we might be the only Christian. The need is us, for us to be light in our road. 
Some of the people will never hear much about Jesus Christ. But why are we there? Because we're meant to be a light in that place. In the office or the factory or the university. We're meant to be that light. That light's meant to shine into the darkened lives of those with whom we meet in whatever circumstances, whatever place. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, the light of the world, emphatic. There's no light like him. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have this light of life. What a person. What a relationship. What a life. Amen.